how many, how many uh, were here when I came in 2016? All right. How many are new since then? Wow. Praise the Lord. So I can preach all my old messages. I was, that's, that's what I was looking for. So uh, great. No, seriously, it is a joy. I've been looking forward to being back in this part of the country, and uh, there's a certain beauty here, but I'm excited about what God's doing. And uh, God is working in the midst of 2020 and now 2021. I'm reminded that he is still on the throne. And I want to just encourage you that you not take lightly the meeting this week. Don't, don't take it lightly. Uh, number one, if you're going to be here, you're going to have to be here on purpose. Amen. Number two, if you're going to be here, you're going to have to fight. Say fight. It's a week like this that Satan raises up. And um, things that worked perfectly will break down. People that you didn't know existed will come to visit. <laughs> Think I'm joking. Boss, will, uh, you know, he'll, he'll call you up Tuesday night and say, hey, man, I need you to work, and, and uh, it's an emergency, and it's triple overtime. I'm just telling you, if you don't think Satan's not uh, trying to destroy the people of God and what's going on, um, you, need to, you need to, you know, just take the blinders off. But I, I want to encourage you to be here every night. You know, we, we as Bible believers, we just don't say this. We take it literally that when we assemble, the high and holy God of heaven meets with us. Just, just let that sink in for a second. The creator of the universe is assembling in this service with us. Now, there's a lot of things going on. Tampa's got the Super Bowl and there's, there's events happening all over town right now. But I can tell you where God is at. He's with his people. So I, I just want to encourage you that, you know, there's this, you know, and, and I'm, be here tonight. You'll get more of the burden that I have this morning. But, but, uh, but I, I, I just want to encourage you, man, we, we, we can't take lightly what this, this meeting. So I, I just want to encourage you with that. Well, take your Bible, if you would, and turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. On a side note, I'm not going to be preaching any of the messages I preached back then, but 1 Kings chapter 18, actually let's, let's back up to chapter 17, so I'm just going to be honest with you this morning, we're going to do a little bit of a Bible study, get a pen out, get your Bible out, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have fun as we go through this this morning. Uh, but I am pretty, I'm, I'm convinced this is the, the direction of the Lord this morning. Would you stand with me as we read? First Kings, um, actually back up to verse chapter 16 and verse 33. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. And in his day did Hiel, the 
Bethelite built Jericho. He laid the foundations thereof, and Abiram his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof, and the young and, and his youngest son Segub, according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Joshua the son of Nun, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And if you'll drop over to chapter 18 and verse 20. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name, notice this, of your gods, and I, notice singular, I will call on the name of the Lord, and the God, the Yahweh, the one true God. By the way, there is only one true God. The God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. Verse 29, it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regardeth. And Elijah said unto all the people, so catch this, the 450 prophets have danced, they've cut themselves, they've cried they, they've, they've done everything that they can do to somehow get some type of emotion, some type of movement, and there is none. There's no fire because Baal's a false god. Then the prophet of God comes on the scene. I'm getting excited and I haven't even read the passage. Notice what he says. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measure of seed. And he put the wood in order. And cut the bullock in pieces and laid them on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. 
And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. By the way, God told him exactly what to do. He told him how to lay the, the sacrifice, how to stack the wood. God gave him instructions on everything. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. By the way, it's not just enough to get right with God. You've got to deal with sin. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. Don't make friends with any of them. I added that. Don't compromise. Don't call them your brother. Don't say, well, we, there, there's just one God. We just have different ideas. No. You, you, and they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink. Watch this. For there is a sound of abundance of rain. I want to preach a message this morning, and I'm not real big on titles, but I want to preach a message this morning, and if I was to give it a title, it would be, there must be revival before there's ever rain. There must be revival before there is rain. Lord God, we ask this morning for your Holy Spirit to open our hearts and minds and to help us to receive the word of God. I pray that you would help the preacher accomplish your word in Jesus' name, amen. Second, Kings, Second Chronicles chapter 7 Verse 13, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if, my, if, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land." The blessings of God are in direct proportion of God's people responding 
to his word. I'm reminded of the day in which they lived. I'm reminded of who was their king. The Bible would tell us in chapter 16, if we were to go back there, you're reminded of Omri, who was the king before Ahab. And the Bible would describe him as doing more to provoke the Lord than all the kings before him. But his son would outdo him. His name was Ahab. And Ahab would bring in Jezebel, trying to make alliances with other kingdoms. And as he brought Jezebel in, Baal worship came in as well, and, and, and the Bible would describe Ahab as doing more than all the kings before him. Can you imagine adding up all the wickedness that had, that had preceded, and, and Ahab tops it, and, and Jezebel, they're bringing in uh, this wickedness, and literally they have uh, gotten rid of all of the prophets. Elijah truly believes that he is the last of the prophets of God that remain and we, we understand, and even in verse 34, I want you to kind of get an atmosphere of the generation. Because not only is Baal worship being instituted, it's popular, it's the fad, we need to be more like the other nations around us. Everybody kind of getting the lingo here? And, and it's kind of the popular thing that's out there. And, and by the way, I, I know that, that years ago, God told Joshua not to rebuild Jericho, and that if they rebuilt Jericho, that, that there would be the person that built it would be cursed and there would be death. But, but we don't believe that, and so they rebuilt Jericho in verse 34. And by the way, the Bible, the Bible makes it really clear. God held the word of Joshua, and the first one died when they set up the first gate, and his lastborn died when they set up the last gate. By the way, God's still God, no matter what society thinks. And then we have a prophet who comes and makes a declaration before Ahab. And he says, I just want you to understand something. Your ways are contrary to God's ways and there will not be revival. And, and I want us to kind of catch this. That in, in this chapter we have kind of this conflict between Ahab and the prophet of God, Elijah. There's no rain for three years. And then we come to chapter 19 and in chapter 19 or 18 uh, there's rain and it's an abundance of rain and by the way I just want you to know something the rain did not come because the king repented and turned from his sins if we go to chapter 19 Jezebel is pretty angry with what's happened to her prophets and basically puts a a warrant and a death threat upon Elijah the prophet of God so I, I want you to I want you to get this mindset that God's blessings were not upon Israel based upon what king they had or what king they didn't have. The rain was not in response to Ahab and Jezebel repenting because they never did. Is everybody with me on this? Is everybody on the other side? Ahab did more to provoke the Lord. He did. But Ahab wasn't the problem. The problem was not the king. The problem was not the leadership. Oh, I, I'm not saying that they don't have influence. I'm not saying that they can honor God or dishonor God. But I'm telling you that the problem was not with Ahab and Jezebel. Well, where's the problem? Well, it's found in verse 21 of chapter 18. 
Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. Follow him. And if Baal, then make up your mind and follow him. What, what, what are you going to do? And their answer revealed exactly that the diagnosis of the prophet was right. They halted between two opinions and they said not a word. Well, yeah, well, you know, our, our culture, he says, that we're a Christian nation. You know, we still got that on our currency. But our lifestyle is really determined by you know, what's popular and what's in. And so what we've kind of done is, is, is we've kind of combined the two. And we're actually really good at this. It's kind of a new way to handle things, you know, is, is we take a little bit of the old and we take a little bit of the new and we take a little bit of holiness and we take a little bit of carnality and we have learned how to blend them. And that might be the case with a nation that halts between two opinions. But I just want to just become biblical this morning and just make it very clear. There is no blessing. There is no reign until God's people have revival. How long halt ye between two opinions? The reign was critical upon revival. We understand the nation of Israel. It had a long history of blessings because it had a long list of men that had sought the Lord. They had examples of Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David, Solomon, men who taught them the Lord, the law, men who taught them about their hearts and how important it was to seek the Lord with all of their hearts. And now, now we have these idols that have risen up in the land and they've become popular in the land and they have begun to leak into the culture and into our church. And before you know it, God's, it is God's people that halt between two opinions. I want to challenge us and just remind us today, and I'm not trying to be political, but I do want to just challenge us today that our nation was founded upon biblical principles. I was, I was in the Tampa uh, um, City Hall, and I had been asked to pray for the, an opening meeting, and I went, and I prayed in Jesus' name, and when I prayed in Jesus' name, I had one of the... Um, city council women who became furiated with me and as I was leaving she she was running out the building and she she came over and, and she said sir I need to talk to you and uh and, and I I uh, said sure and she goes what well, I, I want to give you something could you come with me and so they're starting city hall and she felt that this was more important than what was going on in the in the council meeting and she says I need to give you a brochure on how to pray in public I was like, really? She goes, yeah. Now she goes, now I, I know what you people think. You think that uh, our nation was founded upon like biblical principles, but it was not. And here's a brochure that proves it. And, uh, and she says, I just want you to know how offensive your prayer was that you would 
would uh, be so uh, inclusive. And, and, and I was just reminding uh, her that I was not speaking to her, nor was I speaking to anyone else in that room. I was speaking to the Lord God in heaven. And there is no other way to approach the Lord God of heaven except through the name of Jesus Christ. But I, 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 just, I just want to challenge us of where we have come from and where we have gone to. I'm reminded of, of our first president, George Washington, if you'll spare me just a moment to read a couple of things. While we are zealous, George Washington, while we are zealous performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. You know what he just said? He said, you ought to be a patriot. But higher than that, you ought to be a Christian. Boy, that's, that's, that's amazing that that came from our first president. Let me just read one more. I have, I have a list of them, but I won't, I, won't, I won't do this. John Adams, second president, signer of Declaration of Independence, said this. And this is how he believed July the 4th should be celebrated. Listen to what he says. To... The second day of July, 1776, will be the most memorial epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. You know what he was saying? He's saying the reason we won the battle of independence was because God was good to us. And he said the day of independence ought to be called the day of deliverance. That's a Bible believer for you, isn't it? But yet our country has turned from this truth and from this beginning. And it's turned from this ideal uh, that, that we should be founded upon the word of God and founded upon that. And, and now our, our churches, which should be the, the light of, of, uh, and pillars of the truth, our churches which should be declaring righteousness have in many ways halted between two opinions. We, we've allowed the, the world to change our mind and even change our morals on what is right and wrong. And now things that were, that were black and white, things that were truth, things that came from the word of God are, are simply now ideas that may be considered but really should not be a a guidance which governs our life and our affairs all of a sudden we we've changed our minds about gay and lesbian marriage and we're we're transgender is is in a world of confusion i had a lady in my office this week and she was taking a class um, and, and 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 i won't give you all the the chapters in this book she literally dropped she's She's uh, uh, one semester away from getting a degree in early childhood development. And she said, Pastor, my classes are so anti-God. It, 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 and I won't give you all of it, but one of, her, one of her classes, which was supposed to be early childhood development, uh, she was just giving me a list of chapters. One of them was how to institute gayness in your classroom. Just, just really shoving it and pushing it. And, 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 and I, I'm telling you that, that we've, we've almost taken a back seat on what's right and what's wrong. 
what, what is even declared a marriage and what's not declared a marriage and, and what is declared truth. And, and I'm not here to offend you this morning, but I'm trying to tell you this, that we have issues of sin and alcohol and marijuana that literally have been uh, overlooked. And now in our churches, where Bible preaching used to be king and where people used to gather to hear from the word of God, now that's even being erased. And, and, and the altars are, are no longer being used and, and righteous living is no longer being exalted. And I'm just challenging us tonight that, that what is lacking in our church is the fire of God. And we continue to play games and we continue to blacken out our auditoriums and make them entertainment groups. And, and, and can, can, I just, can I just be honest with you? I, I remember a day when we would go into the church and we would talk about the young people in the youth group and the pastor would talk about four or five or six young people that were preparing for ministry. Now, we talk about the youth group and we're praying that four or five of them may stay in the church after they turn out, after they turn 18. How many know what I'm talking about? And all of a sudden it's like, Oh, we're, we're, we're just, we've got to make our youth group cool so that they'll stay. No, 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 no. We need fire of God that will come. And I'm just telling you, I, I want us to get this this morning, that the problem is not out there, and the answer is not out there, and we can blame out there, but I'm telling you that the church climate in a whole is responsible. For the fire of God that's been lost. And we've raised the white flag. We've raised the white flag. Now I, I, I want to get to the message. I know my time's running. Pastor says, I hope, I hope, I hope you'll stay with me this morning. I've, I've been preaching a while, and one thing I've learned is that you don't make fire. You don't. You go into a church, and you don't make fire. As a matter of fact, I think some of our younger pastors have gone to clinics and read the latest and greatest book on how to make fire, and they, they think that the way to make fire is really by making people emotional. And that has become part of our services, is now to somehow dramatize the service. Because we want, we want, people, to, we want people to feel something. And Hollywood's doing a better job than us. And I, 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 I've often said to pastors, if you want to try to outdo Hollywood, they're going to beat you at the game. Your job, if you're trying to put the best show on, and, and I literally read a book and it said this. It said, if you want the greatest, if you want the greatest crowd in town, you've got to have the greatest show in town. Literally, a book for pastors. And that was the mindset. Is the, way, the way you get people in your church is you've got to have a better show than the, than the church down the street. Listen, we're not in production. And I'll just be honest with you. It is God and God alone that brings the fire down and consumes that which is on the altar. 
It is God that touches a young person's heart. It's God that calls a young man and a young woman to give their lives to him. It's God that, that gets a hold of a dad and says, hey, your language stinks. The way you treat your wife stinks. The way you've been, the way you've been handling your family, you're, 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 just, you're, you're going the wrong direction. And it's only God that can reach into a dad's heart who's so proud and arrogant and, and has this mindset of don't tell me what to do. It's only God that can change and humble that man. I want to just say this this morning. I can't make fire. I can't create fire. Neither can your pastor create fire. There's nobody in this room that can create fire. God and God alone sends the fire from heaven. How many would agree with me and say amen this morning? But I will tell you what we can do. We can have an atmosphere where God sends his fire. I watch one man who comes upon this scene, and he's watched the other crowd. And I just want to say, thank God that Elijah wasn't taking notes from them. Man, well, that's a good one. Oh, look at that move. Yeah. Wow. Man, look at the way they dance on that altar. I need to write that down. Boy, we, we ought to implement them in that. Oh, and then they brought out the lances. That was so dramatical. I mean, the people were like, no, he's not going to cut himself. And then he did. Maybe I ought to try that. Don't buy your pastor any knives. <laughs> but aren't you thankful that, that Elijah didn't take from their, their playbook? And I'm just telling you, that's what we're doing. We're looking at a broken system. And we're just saying, wow, that was pretty cool. Let's, let's borrow from that. No, it's broken. They had a lot of show, but you know what they didn't have? They didn't have any fire. And why are we going to pursue that which doesn't have any fire? And Elijah stands up and he says, no. He says, I'm going to tell you something. We're going to go back to an old way. And I can't make fire happen, nor can they make fire happen. But there are things, listen to me, there are things that God puts his Hand on. And that's what we're going to have. Quickly, would you just notice a couple of things? I, I want to just give this to you, and then and then we're gonna then we're gonna have an altar call this morning. And and God help us that we'll build some things. But notice what it says in, in, in this passage. Notice in, in chapter 18 and verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he, well, catch this phrase. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. Who broke it down? Who, who had the idea, we don't need this altar anymore? Come on. I've had pastors tell me, well, Brother Nance, we, we don't have altar calls anymore because nobody uses the altar. Well, I don't think it's a good move to throw it out just because nobody uses it. Repair the thing. <laughs> Repair the thing. Can I tell you something? There are people in this room, listen to me. You can watch the media and you can get upset with who's in office and who's not in office. And you can get upset with who's running the school board. And you can get upset with this and that and whatever. But I'm just going to tell you something. There are altars that you used to have that have been neglected and they are broken down. 
And if you want fire from God, you've got to get back to rebuilding the altars in your life. I'm talking to some people who maybe used to have a sweet time of prayer and maybe there was a personal altar. Maybe there was a chair in your living room or a chair in your bedroom or a place where you would get alone with God and you would say, oh God, I need, I need fire in my heart again. I need the word of God to be alive in my heart again. Now that altar is kind of broken down. Maybe there was a time when you used to come down here and maybe there's a, maybe there's a sweet spot that you used to have. You say, well, Brother Nance, you know, if I go to the altar, people might think something. Forget what they think. What does God think? I, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that we've got altars that are broken down. And we can, we can complain, but somebody... Maybe one man in this room will say, I want fire. And if I'm going to have fire, there's an altar in my life that needs to be repaired. I, I, I grew up in a home, can I be honest with you? My dad was a pastor. We never discussed going to church on a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. I was never asked. Hey, Carrie. We were thinking about going to church tonight. Can we take a family vote? Can I, can, I, can I tell you that conversation tells me something's broken. Something's not where it used to be. Come on. There are grandpas and grandmas, and, and, and we, we have been blessed by some generations in the past that in their day and time, they built some altars. And some of you can go to old grandma's Bible and you can read through that thing and it's marked up, highlighted, notes in it. You know what it was? It was an altar. You pick up your Bible. It's rarely got your name in it. Come on, everybody just seen what I'm talking about? Well, the problem's Ahab. No, I'm telling you, the problem's not Ahab. Ahab, Ahab's got his altars and they are for Baal. This was the altar of God. God's people said, we don't need this one. I wonder if maybe they said, you know, it's way up on Mount Carmel. It's kind of high to climb up there. It's a lot of work to get all the way up to Mount Carmel. You know, we just don't make that trail anymore. We just don't make that journey anymore. I don't know the, the, the argument, but what I do know is, thank God for one man who came and built the altar. Would you also notice in the passage, the Bible says, verse 31, And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, of whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar. Twelve stones. You know, the Bible doesn't put anything in Scripture by accident. When I read about this memorial of twelve stones... I, I can't help but think of another time where they built a memorial of 12 stones. How many remember when they crossed the Jordan and, and Joshua said, Hey, I want you to do two things. I want you to build a memorial where the priest stood firm in the midst of Jordan. And by the way, I want you to not only build a memorial there of 12 stones, I want you to gather 12 stones out of the middle of the of the Jordan River, a place where there shouldn't be any stone gathering. And I want you to grab those big old stones and I want you to carry them to the other side. And I want you to build a memorial 
And when your children come and they say, what meaneth these stones? You can say, that's when our generation, our generation saw the power of God. You know why I think he got 12 stones? Because he wanted it to be a memorial to his generation. The fire of God fell here. Can I, can I, just, can I just say something? This is not the time to whine. This is the time to grab 12 stones. And say, I, I'm going to just tell you something. There was a pandemic, and there was this, and there was that, and there was this, and there was that. But I will tell you this. There was a generation where God's power fell. And that's what we need in this day and hour, do we not? I don't know what they'll write. I don't know what the history books will be. There may not even be any. But I hope somewhere there's a generation that says, I'll tell you something. There were some righteous Baptist people of God that loved the book and loved preaching. And I can tell you, I can remember going to an old church in Nampa, and those people had revival. And I can remember God touching my heart. I remember where I got saved. I remember seeing God moved. I remember the fire falling. God, give us a movement again in this generation. You'll notice that they not only rebuilt the altar, you'll notice here that they not only desired for the miraculous, the Bible says quickly, they put the wood in order. It was not up to Elijah to come up with a new way. This order had already been set. The sacrifice was to be cut in a certain way. It had already been set. If I can just simply say this, God help us. Why are we trying to reinvent Christianity? Just go back to the book. Quit, quit trying to reinvent the service. Just go back to the Bible. God's given us an old path. God's given us a way. Let's quit trying to reinvent marriage. Just go back to, well, you know, this new guy wrote a book. Forget it. Go to the Bible. Thank God knows how a marriage works. I mean, he, 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 he's the one that ordained. But you also notice this. They put the wood in order. And then they begin to do something. Elijah said, you know, I want you to dig a trench. They dug a trench. And they filled barrels of water. They poured it over the altar, the stones, the wood, and the trench. Not just once. They did it twice. They did it three times. <laughs> I remember a lady in my church, and she said this one time. She goes, you know, Pastor, <clears throat> she was in a nursing home, one of, one, of, one, of, one of the dearest saints in my life. And she said, you know, there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. You know, there really is. If you're Noah and God told you to build the ark, you better build the ark. But if your name's not Noah, don't go build an ark. But can I tell you that we need to be people that are tuned in to the word of God? I emphasize this in his prayer. He said something. I've done all that you commanded me. I don't think it was Elijah's idea to pour the water over it. I think God told him, and he probably said, all right, Lord. 
doesn't make sense, but I'm grabbing a shovel. Can I tell you that sometimes the word of God doesn't always make sense in our life? But quit arguing with God and go grab a shovel. <sighs> Tithing. Stop arguing, just go grab a shovel. Oh, what's that going to do? Well, it's not going to make a lot of sense when they're pouring that third time of water over the sacrifice. But how many understand that God honors something that the world doesn't have, and that's called faith? And, and I'm just, I'm just going to tell you something. It's not enough that we rebuild the altar. Listen to me. It's not enough that we rebuild the altar. It's not enough that we desire for there to be a memorial for generations to come. It's not a desire that we go back to be Bible followers. We must be people of faith. Some of you see, used to live by faith. Used to, used to go to your wife and you'd say, God's put something on my heart. We just need to do it. And your wife would say, I'm all on board. You'd step out of that boat and you would just you'd get that shovel out. That's how you used to live. And your children used to... Maybe hear the conversations of you giving or doing or you sacrificing. Or you just you just digging the trench and your kids grew up in a house where mom and dad lived by faith. And it allowed them to start digging. Instead of questioning everything, it allowed them to start. Everybody with me on this? I'm just telling you, we've got churches that have put their shovels away. If it's not easy, we're not doing it. Isn't that the mindset? You know, if I don't get it in five minutes or less, I, I get it for free or I send in a complaint. God help us. Get our shovels out and let's start living by faith. And you know what happened? Something happened. The fire of God fell. No, no, no. You, you know what happens when God's fire falls? Look what the Bible says. <clears throat> Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, watch what they did. They fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. You know what, do they call this Napa County, Napa City, Canyon? I thought it was a valley. Y'all are confusing me. Can I tell you what this place needs? It needs some individuals in this room that will prepare their life for God to pour out fire upon them. And when God pours out his fire, it will change people around them. There will be no argument. The Lord, he is the God. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you might help us to realize that we need to have revival before there is going to be rain. And I pray that there would be some people in this room, even this morning, whose hearts 
your Holy Spirit would touch, that they would realize that there are some conditions in their life, some altars that need to be rebuilt, some trenches that need to be dug, some water that needs to be poured out, some prayers that need to be prayed. And, oh God, I pray that as they begin to do those things, I pray that your fire would fall upon them once again. Lord, we need your moving. Before I finish this prayer, I wonder who would say this. Brother Nance, this morning as I'm listening, the Holy Spirit of God spoke to my heart. I know that I'm saved. I know that if I died, heaven's my home. I know that. I've got it settled, but I'll be honest with you. In my life, I was convicted. I want God's fire in my life once again. Maybe there's, maybe there's an altar that's broken down. Maybe there's a shovel that's been put back in the shed. Maybe there's some stones that haven't been dealt with. Maybe there's some prayers that are neglected. But in your heart this morning, you know. You know the reason there's not fire in your life. You know the reason that there's not revival taking place. And you say, Brother Nance, I want, I want in my life, I want God's revival in my heart. I want that. Here's my hand. Would you put it up high if God's speaking to you that way? God bless you. Many, many, many hands, many hands, more than I could count a number. God bless you. You can put them down. In just a moment, we're going to have an invitation, and I'm going to invite you to do business, to come to the Lord and say, God, I heard you. I want to start making moves on my end to deal with things that you've revealed to me. I want to ask another question this morning. I wonder if there's somebody here and you say, Brother Nance, I'll be honest with you, I'm not saved. And I, I know I didn't preach what we might call a salvation message, but I, may, may, maybe the Lord was dealing with your heart. And you're, you're not, you're not, a child of God, and if you died this morning, you don't know that heaven would be your eternal home. You don't have that settled. Maybe you had a godly grandmother that told you about Jesus Christ, and you've just kind of shoved it off, and you've dismissed it, and you've turned it down, and, and this morning, maybe, maybe the Lord's just used something I said to prick your heart, but you know this morning that if you died, heaven's not your home. You say, Brother Nance, would you pray for me? God's been dealing with my heart this morning. Pray for me. I'm not saved. Would you quietly put your hand up? Pray for me, Brother Nance. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. Pray for me. Here's my hand. Would you put it up? Let me pray for you. God, this morning, you saw the hands. You know our hearts. Lord, I, I pray, I pray even this morning that you would speak to us, that you would begin to Show us the altars that have been torn down. That you would show us the trenches that need to be dug. And I pray that you would help us not to neglect the word this morning, but that we would hear. And it's in Jesus' name. Let's all stand.